The Tragedy of Cinema podcast is intended as a family-friendly program that by extension strives to be inclusive to all people regardless of their ethnicity, gender, creed, or any other identifying factors in this incredibly diverse world of ours. With that said, some of the films we discuss may contain serious subject matters or have content considered morally objectionable by today's standards. We do not intend to condone or dismiss these aspects of these films, but our primary focus will be on what we believe our film succeeds at, some fun facts, and our personal enjoyment factors of each film. With that said, we hope you enjoy the show. depths of doom comes the most fearful monster of the ages to strike with paralyzing terror the despoilers of ancient tombs. Here is new horror by the master of menace Lon Chaney as the mummy with Dick Foran, John Hubbard, Ellis Knox, George Zuko, Wallace Ford, Turon Bay in The Mummy's Tomb. that's been alive for over 3,000 years is in this town, and it's brought death with it. We've got to run it down. All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinemas podcast, the Universal Monster Series. I'm your host, Jimbo, and today I'm joined once again by my dad, uh, otherwise known as Art Toast. Art Toast. Um, we hope you've been enjoying this series so far. Today we are looking at the movie The Mummy's Tomb from 1942. But Dad, before we get started, I have a question for you. I know you're just like Kyle, you don't like them, so here we go. Who was the better mummy, Boris Karloff or Lon Chaney Jr.? Boris Karloff. And why? He's, he just made a better mummy, which I was going to tell later on in the show. Oh, sorry. Even though Lon Chaney did look pretty good. When I first seen that, I think what happens is you look back and when you see 
people that play a part, and then they play it, they bring somebody else. Go with the Batman series, or any kind of movie like that. You had uh, um, Michael Keaton, then they brought in another one, and then... Uh, uh, Christian Bell. Yeah, then you go in there, and it said, it's not the same with... Because we get, in our mind, that's who it's fixed to. But I did think, after watching The Mummy's Tomb, when I first seen it, sort of disappointed... Uh, I think he made a better mummy, but again, it could be just because that's what I f- you first see. But after you look at, after you watch the mummy's tomb, um, Lon Chaney looked pretty good. And we'll go into some more detail on this here a little bit later. But I, I just like Boris Karloff. It was the original, the classic, the movie poster <laughs> was, I may still be, it used to be the number one made more money movie poster of any of The the thing I didn't didn't like about Lon Chaney's mummy, it seems like he moved faster. Did, would you say it looked like he moved, especially in the, the the house that was on fire at the end of this movie? Well, you'd move faster too. <laughs> That's what I say, but the the thing of it is, with uh, he he did move faster. But if it, watching the movie, it's uh, when he's going to kill somebody or something. He's got that one foot dragon, right? And to me, it seemed like. If I seen him come, and why would I sit there and scream or shoot a gun at him? <laughs> exactly. I think I could outrun him. <laughs> right. Yeah, It's that's that's something else. I was like, but he did look like he was moving faster than the original mummy in this movie, so that's one thing I... But he did look creepy, I thought. Well, yeah. But we'll talk about the end of the movie here in a little bit, because I have some some thoughts on it, too. So go ahead and take it away, Dad. All right. The Mummy's Tomb. It uh, release date was in October 23rd, 1942. Well, wow, that's almost exactly to the date, ain't it? Today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it lasts 61 minutes. It was a quick watch. Yeah, yeah. It's but let me let me let me throw this out there while we're here. The first probably 20 minutes of the movie is just the mummy's hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it showed the the archaeologist, you know, rehashing the tale. And it just shows scenes from the previous movies. So I like how they kept it tied into the original movie, even though it wasn't the same mummy. It's still tied into the universe perfectly. Now, having said that, is uh, I, I watched this twice. Now, the first time, I didn't like it because of that. It's you. You've wasted a half a movie on rehashing stuff. But the second time I watched it through, it, I, I liked it better because, and as it connected together. Right. So, uh, yeah. I guess if you had watched, just watched The Mummy and The Mummy's Hand and now The Mummy's Tomb back to back to back, it probably would have been a little of a drag because you only got a little bit of new information or new movie because it was rehashing all the old stuff. So Universal could have had a 30-minute movie. <laughs> Probably, but it's just been just as good. All right. Uh, the director was Harold Young, writers Griffin J., uh, Henry Sutcher, Neil P. Uh, Varnick, cinematographer is George Robinson, editor Milton uh, Curris. We didn't mention the release date. The cast... Lon Chaney Jr. playing the mummy. Now, 
most famous for The Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick Foran, Stephen Banning, he was, uh, was in 1948 Fort Apache. John Hubbard played uh, John Banning. He was uh, in a movie, uh, The Tall T, 1957. Elise Knox played Isabel Evans. She was in a 1944 A Wave, A Whack, and A Marine. Uh, Anna Rob. A Wave, A Whack, and A Marine? Yeah. That sounds like something we need to cover on this Yeah, podcast. I've never heard of it. <laughs> That's probably a good one. Uh, he played Arnhab, and he was seen in 1942, The Mad Monster. Did you uh, ever see that? I, I may have. It fam- sounds familiar, but it's, I was probably a kid when I did. Uh, Wallace Ford played Babe Hansen. was in the 1932 movie Freaks. Have you ever seen Freaks? No, but I want to. It's on the list. It's a... Uh, I've never. I don't think believe I've it's ever a watched circus it. Circus sideshow stuff, ain't it? Right. They yeah. actually used sideshow freaks right. in, in the movie, but I, I don't think I've ever seen that. Uh, Taran Bay. Uh, he played Mirror Mert Bay in 1946 in The Night in Paradise, and Virginia Brasic played Mrs. Evans. And she was in the 1955 Rebel Without a Cause. Which we have covered on this podcast during our James Dean episodes. So go ahead and give us a little bit of a synopsis. You mean a plot summary? (laughs) Yeah, glad we corrected that for you. (laughs) Uh, A high priest travels to America with a living mummy to kill those who had desecrated the tomb of an Egyptian princess 30 years earlier. Now going on to the awards, it was not had one nomination. Twenty eighteen, uh, Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films. Uh, it was nominated as a Saturn Award for Best B- uh, DVD Blu-ray con- uh, Collection as part of the Mummy Complete Legacy Collection. Do you own that one? No. <clears throat> All right. Technical dif- difficulties. Difficulties? Details. Details. Although there is difficulties that are coming, I'm sure. I'm sure there is. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to circle that word next time. Um, Runtime, 61 minutes. Uh, sound mix was mono. It was uh, in black and white. Aspect ratio was 1.37 to 1. Uh, the laboratory was universal... Studios Laboratory, uh, negative format, 35 millimeter, and spherical, 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 was the process, printed format, 16 millimeter, and the 1950s television prints was 35 millimeter. Hmm. So why don't you go ahead and tell us the difference between 35 millimeter prints and... No, I'm kidding. I know you wouldn't be able to <laughs> one do of, it. <laughs> one of them's bigger than the other. <laughs> so, um, a little bit about this movie. There's not a whole lot of extra trivia or anything. I only have a few notes to, uh, to do. Um, but one thing that stood out to me is that I found out is this is uh, the first of Lon Chaney where he reprises the role of the mummy uh, three times, back to back to back. So, I thought that was pretty interesting. Um which still makes me wonder why they didn't go to Karloff, even if Lon Chaney did this movie. 
why they didn't go back to Karloff. Maybe he was too busy. Um, but uh, this actually begun, what, on June 1st, 1942, and released on October 23rd on a double feature with a, a build with Night Monster. You ever seen Night Monster? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Um, what about shock theater uh, packages of the 52 Universal titles released to television in 1957? Um, and then it was followed a year later with Son of Shock, which added 20 more features of Universal to TV. Did you remember seeing any of the shock theater on TV? No. Okay. So here's something that I thought was pretty interesting, if not crazy. So the hummy, the Mummy's Hand took place in 1940. This movie supposedly happened 30 years later, so it would bring it up to the 1970s. So, because um, they keep saying 30 years have passed, 30 years have passed. However, there's no attempt to create any futuristic looking things in the movie. It all looks the same as it did in 1940. Right? Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean... But I don't think... <clears throat> because, there, you know, there's contemporary mentions of the uh, Second World War going on in this movie, too, so... Okay, I don't I don't recall that, but nope. Okay, <laughs> you watched it twice, so I'm asking you. Okay, so in a 1995 interview with TV host Skippy Lowe, uh, actor Turhan Bay, who played Mahimut Bay, cited this film as his favorite, particularly because he loved playing the character that he did in this movie. And although Dick Foran played John Hubbard's father, he was only four years his senior in real life. Dick Foran Foran and Wallace Ford reprised the roles from The Mummy's Hand, making them the only actors in the series outside of Lon Chaney Jr. as Karis to play the protagonist in more than one movie. However, George Zucco played High Priest in the first three Karis films, and Frank Riker played uh, Professor Norman in this and The Mummy's Ghost. So that's basically all the little side notes I found. So, do you have any thoughts of the movie itself, like as far as different scenes or anything that you found was interesting, weird, didn't add up, like, didn't like? um, In watching this here, we are more uh, introduced to the tana leaves. Right. Which, one tana leaf kept him alive. And then nine tana leaves gave him movement. Right. So somewhere along this line for over 3,000 years, somebody's had to give him some that tana leaf juice just to keep him alive. Right. Well, that's the whole long line of the priest, high priest or whatever. Right. And um, I thought that was sort of interesting. I don't know if it was even mentioned. I think tana leaves have been mentioned before in other mummies. But as far as giving the detail of how many does this and uh, giving and see, movement. And I, thought, I thought maybe that's why he moved faster. Did, did he put more than nine tana leaves in him at the end? You know, drops tana leaves. I thought maybe the more he put in, the faster he would go. I don't know. That's just something I drew from a conclusion. Well, the, the conclusion is they was one to keep it under an hour. So they gave him a little bit more speed. Uh, all right. Let me ask you a question. At the end when the, the mob is coming and... Um, they go to the, I guess, the archaeological place or whatever, and the guy comes out, and they all turn around, and somebody shoots him. Who shoots him? It was the police officer standing next to the, the guy. guy. That, the he, guy that he just kind of looked at like this? Yeah, he looked, he, he's standing there, and he's got the gun, and he's the one you, that shot. But, but nobody does it. He just 
I kept trying to watch it. He's just like, just looks at it like, okay, is okay. That, is that or, a cut? Or? That's why I said he's like, <laughs> you hear the gunshot and nobody says whatever. And they just look at each other. They go run over his body and keep going. Yeah. The, uh, another weird thing to me is uh, they did explain a little bit from the first part uh, when they set him on fire. You know, the end, he'd burn up. You right. Know? And then they said that he survived that, but he was mangled somewhat. That's why you have the dragging of the foot, I believe. Well, I, I do believe that they drug the foot in the, was it the first one? I don't know. It wasn't to... Or the mummy's If too? he did... See, that's the, the, the original the mummy, mummy. They didn't show a whole lot of the mummy. Right. Which is one reason why I like this movie, because, and I think we talked about this in one of the, the last week in one of those... I'm seeing uh, Frankenstein meets Wolfman. You're seeing the monster more throughout the whole movie, and again with older movies, a lot of times you don't even see the the monster or anything till more at the end of the show. But they showed him throughout this, and I said all that to say this. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> no, the dragging of the foot. If the if you watch him, he's almost got his foot sideways sideways as he's dragging that. Now my next question is. How how can he, with one arm bandaged up, a bum foot, he climb, climbs a trellis to go up to the second floor of a house, and well, then the second time he carries a girl with him? But I, I don't think he climbed the trellis to get up there, did he? Didn't he go through the front door? No. Because I thought, I thought the guy and the girl went up there. But I, I remember thinking, how is he going to climb down when he got up there on the balcony? You know what I mean? Because I was like... He killed. He killed that first guy. He climbed the trellis because he was upstairs in the bedroom. They scream and then they all run upstairs. Right. And then the second one, when the mob's chasing him, he goes up the trellis again with her. Yeah, he's carrying her too. Yeah. So how can he climb and carry? Thank you. That was my. uh. (laughs) Well, here's 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 my other question too. You watch him and you got. The, the guy and the girl in lover's lane. <laughs> yeah. And the mummy just comes by, you know, and, like the shadow. The lady in the, the, the bedroom that sees the shadow go by her window. You know, it's all a shadow. You would think, as slow as he was moving, <laughs> somebody would get up and see something. You know what I mean? Because they... And, and what kind of town do you live in where you just go into the sheriff's office and say, Sheriff, I saw a shadow. <laughs> and he's like, you woke me up. Or, you know, the one guy calls him or whatever, you know. But... And then the next guy behind me is like, yeah, no, it's true. I saw the shadow, too. So they're all saying they saw this shadow. So, But I thought what was really cool is that the way that they detected that it was actually the mummy was from the uh, the mold around the neck that they that yeah. really joked them. You know what I mean? Uh, so another part of the movie that I have problems with, well, not problems, but the fire scene at the end. Um, if you pay close attention to that... You see, you see the mummy standing there, and he's the fire's like in front of him and everything. But then they they go to a different, wider shot, and the fire's nowhere near him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they come back, and it's uh, you know, and then you know you have all the people throwing the torches up there, which was pretty cool. But um, the one guy on the stairs—I don't know if you caught this—the guy that came in the door was rushing up the stairs with the torch, and the mummy's up there, and he knocks him down or whatever. He actually lands on the torch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, I was like, why is he not caught on fire? Or why is the stairs not on fire at this point? Yeah. I'm asking you. I don't know. <laughs> okay. But uh, again, 
a lot of times, uh, and I know as we're doing this with show things like that, is uh, a lot of things, it still don't take away from the movie when you're watching it just as a movie. Don't you agree? Right. No, no, that's fine. But, I mean, that's just, you know, I've been doing this a long time now, so I notice this stuff when I watch movies. That is just part of the part of the process that I, my mind goes through now. This also had a, um, the ending of this, the very end of it, you know, usually the monster dies, cut scene, away we go. Do you remember what happened at the very end of this movie? You've watched it twice. Yeah, I know. I didn't get to watch the very end of it the second time. Oh, so you didn't watch it twice. I, I missed about the last five minutes of it. Oh, They were just no. throwing the torches at Oh, so... Um, didn't Actually, they... I was on my way here to see the podcast. Oh, so you were watching it in the car while Mom was driving? Right. Oh. Um, I do believe that... Doesn't, don't they get married? The guy that go get married and they send them to the door? Or was that the next yeah, movie? No. I can't remember. Um, no, you know, I mean, I think it might happen to both of them now that I think about it. It might. But where would you rank this on the Mummy series as far as the ones we've covered? The Mummy, the Mummy's Hand, and now the Mummy's Tomb. Well, the, um, I'm trying to refresh my memory with the Mummy's Hand. Was that the one that he gets in the quicksand, or is that another one yet? That's got to be a different one. Yet. Okay, this, one is, this is the one where they they go and the uh, they go camp on the side of that mountain. Remember, the guys come and steal the girl, or, or the mummy steals the girl, and they go into the thing. And then at the end, the guy is comes there and he knocks the fire over. They have her tied to the altar or whatever, and the guy knocks the fire over and catches him on fire. Yeah. It seems like it happens, and but they all, they showed it in this movie too. Yeah. Um, actually, all in all, now this is going to be. Uh, I like this probably the best so far, even though I didn't really like it the first time I seen it. Boris Karloff done an outstanding part in the original Mummy. Because he was actually playing a monster, and as he was aging right. through through that there, which was pretty cool. Uh, but as far as and again, as a when I was younger, as a younger kid would like, you want to see more of the monster. Which uh, even though uh, Boris Karloff is really creepy when he was the man, and uh, uh, and the eyes of him and all that there sinister look. But um, you're wanting to see the monster. And so uh, I'd probably, as far as enjoyment of this, I, I may like this one here of the three. Just because you saw the monster more? Right. I'm looking at it from a, a different aspect of it. It's uh, There's more, uh, I guess I could say, more action happening here than in the original Mummy. Mm-hmm. Because you've barely seen the mummy at all. There's always the, him as the high priest or whatever guy. That right, and uh, now you you done the, the podcast did uh, with Boris Karloff. Did they never did show him full body? Did they? Mm, 
Not that I remember. You, he seemed I like he either seen the, the, or, the legs down, or and of course when he's uh, the the great scene of him when they first open up the the, 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 the coffin, yeah. and he's standing there. But I don't think you see much of him as far as a whole body movement of the mummy and that. So Lon Chaney done good, and he did look good. I thought. Uh, of course, if you look real close, you can see the famous Lon Chaney hair <laughs> under the bandages. <laughs> yeah, underneath the bandages, caked back. <laughs> but he did look—he did look good. They did do some close-up show, uh, shots of his face that looked really good. Okay, so my next question to you is: um, We've obviously had more mummy movies recently with the Brandon Fraser mummies series. Uh, did you ever see those? Yes. Did you like those? Or would you rather see them go back to the original Universal Monster Ways if they did a remake? Actually, the the Brandon Brandon Fraser mummy, I really did enjoy that. Uh, However, I think it would be neat to see how they would do it with the original looking mummy. Mm -hmm. I think it would be neat what, what they could do today with... CGI. Technology and whatever, mm-hmm. which uh, the CGI whatever has its place. But again, if you go back to original, as we talked in the podcast before, the, the, it looks pretty good. That hours and stuff I've been putting their makeup on, it's mm-hmm. just unbelievable. So it'd be interesting to see what they would come up with with redoing a, a, an old mummy. Uh, like the Boris Karloff style. Right. Did you like Alan Chaney as the mummy? You know, to me, it was... He was okay. I, I don't... I like him better as the Wolfman, obviously, but... Why? Because he was originally a Wolfman. I think I mentioned this at the start of the podcast. Now, suppose the mummy was his first. And somebody else was. The but one. if but if but if that's the case, let's let's just let's just flip the rules. If Lon Chaney was the original mummy in the original mummy movie, and they put Boris Karloff as the Wolfman, would Boris Karloff made a better Wolfman? No, because I don't think he could have pulled that off. Well, did Bo- Karloff ever play a Wolfman? No, I don't believe so. Karloff though was an older person too. That may be why he couldn't uh, be a good Wolfman. Per se, is that he wouldn't be as uh, agile, as right? But as we discussed, the the people in the swamp scenes were played by different actors anyway. It wasn't Lon Chaney all the time in the swamp scenes, right? But that you don't know that, right? Well, you wouldn't know Karloff was out there either. Then you see what I'm saying. So I just don't think Karloff has the look to play uh, a believable uh, Talbot or Wolfman. I think he looks more like. A mummy, Frankenstein type of character, or even like, if you ever seen the Black Cat, uh, that that's a yeah. whole another episode that we've done. But um, yeah, I just so are, so are you saying that you like Lon Chaney Jr. better than Boris Karloff in all the pictures, as far as an actor? No, I'm I think not, we I think I, we talked about. I'm not this saying before. that, but I think well, I think Boris I Karloff is. Frankenstein, or the monster, we had that discussion. <laughs> no, but I think I asked you if you had to choose between Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, or Bella Lugosi, who would you pick as your favorite? As far as an actor? Right. I think you said Karloff, if I remember right. And then... Did I say Karloff? Or Chaney. I would say, as, 
I think as far as an actor acting, I would go with uh, Lon Chaney. Junior. Junior. Or senior. Yeah. No, Junior. Junior. Because uh, Bella Lugosi. 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 It's your accent again. Yes. (laughs) He's one dimensional. Right. No matter what you see, you see Dracula. Right. Uh, Now, Karloff was good as Frankenstein, but even later in movies where he just plays a a, a regular... Mad scientist or something. Right, a mad scientist, uh, deranged, uh, the the movie uh, Die, Monster, Die, I think we we was talking about the other day. Um, uh, He's he's good as an older, sinister... Type person because he has that look, right? But as far as right, and and he's got that creepy talk and all that. But as far as acting, uh, it would probably be Lon Chaney Jr. Right. Well, like I said, there wasn't a whole lot of information on this movie, so that's why I let my dad rattle on a little bit. And, well, uh, hold on, I ain't done. Oh well, well never <laughs> mind. He still got more. What else you got? Right. How many stars you give it? Well, I, was getting, I was getting ready to get there. Okay. Um, you want me to go for, first? For, yeah, go ahead, and then I'll, I'll I'll play off you. How many how many mummy wraps are you giving it? <laughs> Actually, I would give this probably a three mummy wrap, and uh, it's a better movie than Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man. I think I gave it two stars. Man, that's some strong words. <sighs> Which words? That it was a better movie than Frankenstein meets a Wolfman. Yes, I was very disappointed in that. Disappointed, yes. I'm seeing the monster. I think we discussed this on that. But you saw the monster. Yeah, but not like that. I want. (laughs) If you go back and listen to our podcast, and I said this, that it don't live up to the building. No, you said the final fight scene didn't build up to the building of Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. It doesn't say Frankenstein fights the Wolfman. It said Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And Frankenstein never met the Wolfman in this, as we've discussed. It was the monster that met the Wolfman. So I think this was a better movie due to that fact. As again, I you want I want to see, and we discussed this with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. They should have fought two or three times through the whole thing instead of dragging it out till the last three minutes of the show. Here you've seen the, the mummy, even though it was Back from the mummy's hand or whatever, early, which was a different actor to begin with, right? But then, but you see the mummy throughout the picture. He takes a better, a bigger part of that. If if I'm given a rating, uh, the only reason I would probably give it a three point five, three and a half, is because that you did see the other part of the movies, the the mummy's hand and everything that tied in so perfectly. I think it tied in nicely to the other movies. Um, now, the other movies that we will cover in the future of the other Lon Chaney mummies, it may change my mind. He said he was in quicksand or something, so I don't know. don't know where that's going. So, um, so there you have it. That's the mummy's hand. So you get a solid three and a three and a half from me. So did you, which one did you like? Frankenstein meets Wolfman or I, The Mummies too? I Probably if I had to you pick. answer this. You can't go on that just because Wolfman's my favorite monster. No. If I had to pick, I think that the the, the character development of Talbot in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman is greater than 
this guy sitting in a chair reminiscing about his archaeological digs in the past, telling his family, oh, the monster really came alive, and all this really happened, and all that. I don't... Well, that's originally the first time I said when I watched it, I didn't care right. for it because of that part. Right. Uh, but that's why I gave it a three and a half, and I might have even given Frank Simon Wolfman lower, but I think to say that the, the character development of Talbot, because you've already seen him in The Wolfman, to see the struggle that he went through because all he wanted to do was die. You know, get rid of the curse. That's all he wanted to do. This, this, the whole... What's about, what's the, I'll tell you something else I didn't What's like the body count in Frankenstein meets Wolfman? Uh, well, I don't know, but listen to this. I think it's zero. <laughs> but listen... <laughs> what's the body count? I'm kidding. <laughs> in this, I didn't care for the high priest guy because, you know... He, there is there is a scene in here I think we should touch on real quick before we end this. Uh, there's the point where uh, I forget the the high priest guy's name, but he's he tells him no, I'm going to marry this girl, and you see the mummy kind of have a reaction like almost like feelings for a second. If you, uh, you yeah, because it looked like he was going to attack him gonna, right because he went to go and he's like no, you're going to do my bidding or whatever. So I kind of felt sorry for the mummy in a bit. You know when you feel sorry for Frankenstein's monster at times because he's trying to do the right thing. The same feeling I had for the mummy here because the mummy maybe had some flashbacks of, you know, his princess back in the day and all that. I thought that was a really good scene, but I didn't like the high priest guys. But he's basically not using the mummy for what he said he was going to do, where he was going to kill all the people now. Now he's taking it to his advantage where he's going to be take a wife, the guy's wife, as a high priestess. You know, he's like, no greater calling can you have is to be my wife and be the high priest's wife. This has been handed down for thousands and thousands of years. This is what we have to do to protect the mummy. So. I think, though, that there was just a reason to get the girl there for your your ending of the show. Well, I understand that, but I'm just I'm just saying I didn't like I didn't like that part of this movie. You are know you I mean? are you disputing me? I'll tell your mommy. <laughs> boom, boom, boom! Oh boy! Uh, don't 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 worry. I'm a mummy's boy. <laughs> we got dad jokes for days in here. Huh? So, so can I end this now, or do you? Still Are you going to wrap this up? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We're on fire. <laughs> so, with that being said, uh, the next uh, week, which we're going to release on Halloween, uh, will be uh, Werewolf of London from 1935, which actually predates The Wolfman, which didn't come out till I believe 1941. So. Uh, I got a lot to say about this movie coming up, too, because, um, well, we'll just save it for that podcast. Well, I got so. some stuff to say about it, too. Well, get the old clapper, so I brought it this time. So <laughs> so from the dark tombs of Artos, before I uh, wrap this up, we need to say a special thank you to Tim Mullins for doing our special intro for the Universal Monsters for my dad. Uh, if you like this intro, I thought it was really well done, so thanks, Tim. Um, also, go, go check out his podcast. It's Hillbilly Horror House, which... I am a voice actor in the audio drama Hillbilly Horror House. So Strike one. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like that, uh, go check him out. Leave him a review. Tell him the tragedy is said about Sega. So with that being said, I think this episode's coming to a close. And that's a wrap. And cut. cut. <laughs>